Amen. The beginning of the second hour, um, I read from Genesis 1 and then over to John talking about um, kind of the way I approach the Big Bang and uh, recon reconcile um, the naysayers when they, you know, throw up whatever they, they can to um, try to disprove. And I was, I, again, I, Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1 in, in the book of John, where he says, I am the word. And, and basically settles that, at least in my opinion. Um, I've never, you know, I don't have formal training, but it's just me. At least, you know what? I don't have to worry about anybody else. It settled it for me. And uh, my original intent when I was thinking about going into that hour was to read Genesis 1, John 1, and then over to John 8. And I didn't do it. And I was thinking, you know, you read from the Bible. Um, you know, I've always compared the pushing of the gay agenda. Hey, we don't care, you know, what you do behind closed doors. Don't push it on me. Don't push it down my throat. No more than I want uh, the, the dudes on the bicycles showing up at 8 o'clock on a you know, Saturday or Sunday morning. Um, I don't really think there's a comparison in motives. But nevertheless, I, I just said, hey, look, you don't want stuff like that forced down your throat. Me personally, I don't want stuff like that forced down my throat. That's it. Go live your life. So I kind of have, as I'm talking about reading those two verses and how I choose to look at it as it relates to uh, the Big Bang, creation, how it answers the question in my mind, reconciles the 4.5 billion years old the earth is versus 13.7 for the universe, so on and so forth. And in my mind, it's, it's settled. Um, I don't need any further explanation. But the whole time I'm thinking about John 8, John 8, John 8. And I just, I, I shied away from it. I didn't get scared. I didn't get intimidated. I just thought kind of, in a way, admittedly, that although I am, I, I still wouldn't necessarily say religious, but I'm in my evolution that I spoke of at the end of the second hour, you know, religion has become a bigger part. Uh, and I stated, after reading those passages, I said I made the comment, I don't read the Bible as much as I should, which immediately, you know, Danny's cursed or gifted mind, that statement, just those few words, I don't read the Bible as much as I should, immediately brought to the forefront of my mind this the song that you just heard, Cody Jinks, and the song is Cast No Stones. And, it, and the line in it says, I don't read the good book as much as I should. Basically, I just said the same thing in, in so many words. 
the reason I wanted to read John 8 in the first place was that's where the tale of cast no stones, so to speak, comes from. And so when I finished that second hour and I'm, you know, taking a break, taking a breather, sucking down nicotine, still working on my nicotine IV, guys. Send in any diagrams, uh, hints, tricks, whatever. But uh, in between the time it ended and I'm sitting there, uh, well, uh, how would you, ruminating? Is that the right word? Ruminating? Um, contemplating? I think ruminating. Now, see, this is going to nag me. But I think ruminating is a good word, uh, which ironically derives from Greek, um, from the process of a cow kind of pre-digesting. In other words, chewing its cud and then it goes, he waits or whatever that process, and then goes back and, and chews it up some more and digests it. That's kind of where the basis of that word comes from, ruminating. And don't ask me because I have no idea how I know that. It, it just is ridiculous. Nevertheless, um, but I backed away from it because I didn't, I felt like I, it might cross the line of pushing the religion aspect. It was okay to use the passages to explain how you think of the universe uh, beginning of the earth, the creation versus the Big Bang, how they incorporate and ultimately how that shapes my uh, philosophy when it comes to global warming. So I thought that that's an okay approach. But sitting there talking and, and that song comes to mind and so I thought, you know what? I, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read it. Because the song is one of those songs that is significant to me. Obviously, the title, Cast Those Stones. You know, it's Cody Jinks. That's the title, Cast Those Stones. And if you couldn't, hopefully you could make out the words, the lyrics, and so forth. But you get a chance to give it a listen. So we're in John 8, John 4. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Just a little backdrop or context. They didn't necessarily believe that Jesus was who he said he was. So when, they, when it talks about the trap and this woman should be condemned and stoned, what say you, alleged father, son, or whomever, Messiah. So now what? The, the commandments say you must condemn this woman. So if you're the Messiah, what do you say about it? That's the trap that they were trying to set for him. But Jesus bent down and started right on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, 
and it goes on to to where everybody leaves and he ends up questioning the woman and obviously she's now convinced that he is Jesus the son the messiah etc and she goes off because he he knew I think he said to her and I've already shut the book the bible but I think he he made the comment to her she he said go home and bring your husband here and she said I have no husband and so Jesus said well that's right you have no husband you've had five husbands already five ex-husbands and this guy that you're shacking up with you're not even married to so he knew that without being told so that's part of what convinced her um, and the rest of that chapter goes on to obviously you know she's now convinced she goes in tells the townspeople but they're still non-believers and that's kind of it goes into those uh i guess into that part of the the, the book whatever It's so odd because I had thought about reading that originally, going into hour two. I, I mean, I was going to read it. You know, it's only three or four verses. And then changed my mind at some point, made up my mind, and in talking, just explaining my theory or philosophy or what have you on the Big Bang creation answers for me I said that one line for whatever reason I don't read the Bible as much as I should which triggered the song which in essence told me you made a bad decision you chickened out because it's not it's no accident the title cast no stones it's no accident that that title flashed across your mind at that precise moment and you look the other way. You chose to ignore it for whatever reason, which in the grand scheme of things, looking back seems insignificant, which at the end of hour two, you know, I told, I used the metaphor of a train and how I mis mistakenly said, uh, you know, I hope values, etc., didn't get off at the next stop and then I, go and point out how that's flawed thinking. And as soon as I stop, I mean, it's, you know, nagging me bad, way worse than an ex-wife. Because I knew, I thought, well, you know what, that's such, that's, that song has played such a significant role in my life for whatever reason, who knows why certain songs poems stories stick to us hits us uh, but for whatever that reason is it's been significant to me opened up a lot of thought opened up a lot of talk a lot of prayer um, has done uh, i guess has done some soothing so to speak and for whatever reason, I, I chickened out. I, I failed to pull the trigger on the verse 
uh, the verse in John that tells the story, which was my intent from the beginning. So when they say the Lord works in mysterious ways, it ain't no lie. It ain't made up. I believe it. And I didn't take, it didn't take this for me to believe. You know, I'm not, I don't want to give that impression, but um, as I talked about, I think in hour one, and I've talked about before, edifying principles, character, philosophy, um, reinforcing, strengthening, resolve, backbone, etc. This is, again, one of those moments. I think the ending of hour two, certainly for me, was one of those moments. Uh, just kind of serendipitous happened. Um, which so many lessons are. And I choose to have, for the most part, in almost 100% of all instances, that there are no coincidences. It's just something I've, I guess, as an adult, late 20s maybe, when I just thought there's, you know, there's more to it. There's, it, it just, there, it's not a coincidence. And it's something that I've pretty much, uh, like I said, almost nearly 100% of the time, it, that's my opinion, that it's not coincidence. Uh, good iced tea. Not as good as my mama's, but it's, it's, it's on up there. So I did want to get that. I, did, I knew I wouldn't feel right until I did it and admitted because at the beginning, when, when I omitted that and closed that Bible without addressing that, that was a perfect example of what I talked about 55 minutes later as, as far as those things that we hold that keeps us on the straight and narrow, that guides us, that should be our, our, our roadmap. They don't hop off the train. I put them off the train at the beginning of that podcast. And, I, I, you know, I've, I wish I could, other than not wanting to, again, beat the religion. And that's not a good enough reason. So, uh, I wish I had it. I didn't. So, anyway. Let's move on. Um, you know, what is this? Like, am I in confession hour here or something? Dutch, come on, dude. You got to steer me in the right direction, man. I'm staring at you and you're, you're looking at me with a blank face. Um, nevertheless, there are a couple things I do want to get to in case this is a final hour uh, that needs to be addressed. And so I... I the first item, Trump, uh, primaries, I I hope it doesn't take me the rest of the time. If it does, then so be it. But it, it definitely needs to be addressed and explained. So, well, first of all, I don't know if I timestamped this at the beginning. Um, again, 7-23-2022, July 23rd. 0419 
Um, so this is hour three, in case you are keeping score at home, or unfortunately, even even if you're alone, uh, which <laughs> jokingly, I can't cast the first stone because I'm here alone looking at Dutch and, you know, work alone, live alone, um, but have somebody near and dear to my heart. But, uh, you know, I may discuss if I do hour four, may bring that up a bit. Uh, anyway, before I get to Trump, I do want to say last week I was up way, way past my normal bedtime. It turned out, and again, I haven't listened to the fifth hour last week at all. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, whatever, if I publish it or not. Um, you know, at some point I said, I said, you know, you guys know, hopefully by now, if you've listened, Friday's my night off. I go to work Saturday. Saturday's the worst night of my week. Um, it starts a six day run, you know, six days, three different start times, literally six different ending or clock out times, so to speak. And on, let's see, Sunday morning. So I'll go in tonight. I'll, I'll sleep and I'll wake up at 7, 8 o'clock, roughly. Um, but I'll go in tonight around 9. And on Saturday, I kind of average 6.30 to 7, maybe 7.30 as an average. Um, this particular run that I do uh, Saturday and Sunday you never know. I never know how late I'm going to be working. So that's what, you know, one of the reasons I stay up tonight because I may be up late tomorrow. I know I'm going to at least be up till let's say seven behind the wheel of a semi, 6.30 to seven, you know, in that semi truck. So I, that's one of the most, you know, probably the most significant motivation of me staying up on my night off last week that fifth hour I don't even I know I didn't timestamp it but I was up way late I didn't get off Sunday morning until 9 15 or 9 30 so I was about two to two and a half hours past my average end time and kind of just thought because it was a, a terrible you know just whatever we all have those days, those nights, etc. And I, you know, I thought, man, thank God I, I didn't go to bed early last night because I would be sucking air right now. So it did come into handy last weekend. Um, but so getting on, moving on to Trump in these primaries, you know, I got knee deep in him about a month ago with the Alabama uh, GOP or Republican uh, senatorial race, Mo Brooks, and I don't even remember the chick, what her name was. Uh, she had, she's been in Washington for some time. She was a member pretty much of the swamp. She was on the staff at, and served as the chief of staff for the Senator from Alabama 
that is actually retiring. So this chick and Mo Brooks, uh, the other Republican left that faced off in the primary, they were fighting for this retiring Republican's Senate seat. Trump left Mo Brooks. Uh, you know, there's some that say they left because he had sunk in the polls. I know Trump made comments about Mo Brooks not uh, continuing. He changed uh, campaign staff or something along those lines. And uh, Brooks was no longer championing the uh, 2020 election. So, you know, he kind of changed a little bit of his uh, main strategy and focus for his campaign, not the past going forward, which makes perfect sense. Uh, for the record, I don't think the 2020 election is a winning strategy, a winning focus, especially 2022. I don't, and I, I don't think it's a winning strategy for any Republican in these next two cycles, 22 or 24. That doesn't mean that it can't be fresh on your brain and you want to address it. That's something different. But using it as a, a stump or a primary focus, looking backwards, looking backwards is never a, a winning strategy. That doesn't mean that you can't win. It just means that it's you're, you're looking backwards. I mean, to me, it's common sense, but nevertheless. So I, I kind of beat Trump up for supporting this woman. I mean, she's the chief of staff of a rhino swamp senator. And she wants to step in. She was endorsed by McConnell. She's a rhino. No ifs, ands, or buts. She jumped up at some point in the polls because she had untold millions of dollars from Washington, from Mitch McConnell. And I don't know if I've talked about this, this fund. I mean, it's, this law is, you know, legal. But he gets millions and millions of taxpayer dollars that he gets to choose the candidates that he gives this money to. You know, he was against candidates over the last 10, what is this, 22 so the last 12 years, for instance, against Rubio, against Cruz, against Mike Lee, against Rand Paul, against Mo Brooks. You know, so the list goes on. And he throws this money at these other Republicans. And if they get elected, they're, they're basically beholden to Mitch McConnell because he's the reason they got elected. If they don't get elected and the Democrat gets elected, like happened in Alabama that we discussed, or these other states, Arizona, um, Georgia, the last two, you know, in 24, the, two, the, the Democrats won, won in the runoff uh, because they were weak. At least in Georgia, they were weak candidates. Um, there's other factors, obviously, but the point to that is McConnell doesn't care he wants the Republican to win. He wants to be the majority uh, leader of the Senate. But if they don't, then 
it's no sweat off his hind end because he's just as comfortable being the opposition. Believe it or not, there's no other excuse. There's no other rational way to view it. He would rather have Republican senators, senators to uh, follow along to be beholden to him and vote how he chooses and so on and so forth down the line than to have these guys like Cruz, Lee, Rand Paul, Rubio, who he can't control, and whip. Whip is a, a term you may have heard or hear majority whip, minority whip. That's the ones who goes around to to talk the ones like Joe Manchin that doesn't want to vote for abortion, stuff like that. The whip is in charge of trying to change his mind, at least in the old way of doing things. So McConnell would rather lose the seat to a Democrat than to have a Republican he cannot control. And that's this chick from Alabama. And you can watch the money, follow that money, who gets money. And if Mitch McConnell donates money to that uh, Republican candidate for senator, that's all you need to know. If he don't, because he don't donate. He either donates to your campaign or let's say your super PAC or whatever. He either donates to your interest or he donates for the opposition. That's it. It's no in-between. You know, if there's five guys running for the primary, he's not going to split money five ways. He's not going to split money two ways. He's going to get behind one uh, candidate and he's putting all his eggs in that basket. This chick from Alabama was in that camp, was in Mitch McConnell's basket. Now she will run in November against a Democrat. We have to vote for whether she's a rhino or not. We have to take the Senate back. But you better bet your ass you got another rhino. You got another vote that you can't trust. And I just was pissed off at Trump. Kind of backed it off somewhat, a little bit, you know, a podcast or two, or trying to explain myself. I'm not beating a guy up. I don't not like him anymore. I, you know, I, of course, I still don't want him to run. It has nothing to do with that. But, you know, I still think he was a great president. So it doesn't diminish anything about him or his record. Uh, well, guess what? Lo and behold, we have another senatorial race, GOP primary in Arizona. And it's like deja vu all over again. I shit you not. Um, let's see, Arizona's GOP. Governor primary brawl tries to define the real Republican. Admittedly, I don't listen and follow quite the way I used to. Um, 
I do follow, I, I've, I've tried to follow these primaries a little closer, honestly. Um, but we got, like I said, deja vu all over again. Um, your two GOP candidates are both women. You have, uh, let me see, let me get my daggum glasses on. Karen Taylor Robson and Carrie Lake. Um, neither has much of a record that this Carrie Lake has just jumped on the Trump MAGA train, Trumpism. She's just full steam ahead on that. Guess what she used to do for a living for many years? She was a TV newscaster. Now, I have maintained that all media tends to have bias. Even a lot of local news. I just, it's, you, you know, I think it's automatic. I've had discussions with people locally that they didn't think certain stations here fell into that category. They felt their local home favorite station was unbiased. And if it happened to be the station that I watched at the time, I would give them examples of how it was biased. And, and it may be from omission. So in other words, it might not be something that they're trying to convince or change or shape minds or thoughts or, or, you know, political opinions. So it may not be something that they're actively trying to do. It may be something they're not doing or omitting. In other words, maybe not giving you all sides of a story or an issue, etc. Because either one is biased. And I don't think you can uh, quantify one being better or, or less uh, troublesome or dishonest, so to speak. Uh, if there's dishonesty, it, I, I just think omission, depending on how the story's framed or the issue's framed, omission is a form of dishonesty. Uh, so that's her background. She was a TV newscaster for many years. Okay, what did I, I just played a, a friggin' song at the beginning of the hour. Cast no stones. So, you know, mind your own advice. You can't um, judge by that. Okay? There's no record. She's never been in politics. So how do you how do you judge? Now you got this other chick, uh, Robeson. And, of course, I know. I'm, I'm leading. I'm building. I know who Trump is supporting. So I looked the two chicks up tonight, today before I started. And I want to see a picture. I, I just, I want to see what they look like. Um, I have been content this entire primary season to not look at a picture of anybody. I don't need to see their face on the TV. I don't need to look them up on the Google. If I, if I hear them on the radio and, you know, the, the places I search, maybe to read about them, etc. that's all I need. Because uh, policy, uh, conservative principles is what's relevant, not 
somebody's looks. Well, then again, we're talking about politics. We're talking who's, I know who Trump is, has endorsed, and I'm like, for the love of God, dude. So I'm thinking, well, maybe this chick's a hottie. And, you know, I've looked at both of them. Robeson is a little older. I would say they're both attractive. Um, um, Katie Lake, would, if I were picking based on looks, would probably, I would pick simply because I, I, I like dark hair, brunettes, etc. Other than that, I, neither one of them is really my cup of tea. But Trump is supporting the rhino. This other chick, I think, was in real estate, may have been a real estate attorney, um, kind of like Trump, doing, making a lot of political donations to further her business. Uh, so she's donated to uh, both sides of the aisle, both campaigns, just as Trump did. One of my uh, reasons why Ted Cruz kind of automatically got me, I mean, not to mention he had a solid record, a solid career. Uh, but if somebody were to ask at work or whatever, you know, what's wrong with Trump? That was one of the things I brought up. Look at the money he's donated to Democrats. Look at the weddings he's went to, been invited to. New York elite, you know, and trust me, when, when the, the word elite or class comes up, I'm immediately turned off. Now, a lot of his rhetoric contradicted that stuff and turned out, you know, it's for him to say and campaign that he did it for his business. I got it. I buy it. I believe you. I believed you before the general election. I supported you. And now when I hear this real estate chick talk, I believe her because of Trump. At this point, I don't know who's ahead in the polls. Just guessing, I would say the one Trump is backing is ahead in the polls. So being that you don't have a definitive like voting history or record, all you've got thus far is campaign rhetoric and anybody, I mean, look at the Democrats for 50, 100 years sitting there campaigning and saying one thing and ruling, governing, voting, totally against what they said, what they campaigned on. So history tells me anybody, any so-called Republican can campaign and say anything they want to. That doesn't mean that's their values or principles, how they truly feel. They may just want the status, the notoriety, the power to be a U.S. Senator. And they'll sell their soul to become it. I mean, we are talking Arizona here. We are talking the home state of John McCain, who did the exact same thing. And then in year six, you know, probably the last year of his term, he'd raise hell. He'd speak out. He'd be on every news show. He, If it was a, a Democrat president, he'd run them up one side and down the other. If it was a Republican president who was popular, he'd jump on the bandwagon. 
And I don't want to get on to John McCain. Not tonight. So, I look for things in this race. Now, mind you, I, I let in prefaced all this by talking about McConnell and using McConnell in the Alabama race as if no other sign, no other answer to who you should vote for or support. Look at where McConnell's money's going. So I led with that in the Alabama case. Another type of indicator outside of looking at McConnell's money, you can look at, these are two Republicans. What kind of ads are you seeing in the state, locally? Who, you know, how are, are these ads obviously attacking? Uh, hopefully two Republicans are civil because you'll have to come together at the fall and hopefully the loser endorses or gets behind or campaigns for the winner of the primary under optimal uh, conditions. So you don't want to be each other up too bad. What are the campaign ads saying? They're both going to claim conservatism. You know, they're, they're going to be fairly simple. They're, they're going to try and, if they can find an affair or find dirt or, or whatever, you know, all that is normal, par for the course. I know who Mitch McConnell supports. I know even though this is a Republican primary, the Democrats are running ads against one candidate. Now, being a thinker, an analyzed type brain, this is a Republican primary. Why, if, if you're the Democrat party, the Democrats have their own primary. You, you got enough, you know, it's like in baseball, sometimes coaches would save a pitcher for a big game. And the old adage was, if you don't win to get to that big game, it doesn't matter how much rest the pitcher had. So if your pitcher's available and this is an elimination game, gum, get his ass on the hill. Give him the rock. So how that relates to the Democrats, you're in a fight for the Democrat nomination. But the Democrat Party in Arizona, they're running the ads against one of these Republicans. Why? Why would, why would the Democrat Party in Arizona run ads against a Republican candidate? And, you know, whether or not they're supporting a Democrat candidate is irrelevant. Why would the Democrat Party of Arizona run ads against a Republican candidate? And if so, if that's their strategy, why are they not running ads against both candidates? What did I mention in hour one? Who do they attack? Who, do, who does the kooks attack? Who do they try to beat down? Silence. Control. The ones they're afraid of. So no one, at least my lifetime history of following politics, campaigns, etc. Just like tonight I spoke 
about they attack who they're afraid of, DeSantis, Trump, which ultimately is thinly veiled because they're truly attacking the American people. Ultimately, that's that's what they do. But they, they disguise it by the candidate. That's who they're afraid of. So if the Democrats are running campaign ads against a Republican candidate, that tells us who they're afraid of. Because in Arizona, if you run and you're a conservative Republican, chances are you'll win. In Arizona, now that John McCain, thank God, has gotten his ass I don't mean no disrespect, you know, uh, God rest his soul, if he's up there, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say either way, I'm just going to say if, but now that McCain's out of the way, and I've mentioned previously that in two different cases, the Arizona government, governor had chances to appoint a, a staunch conservative, no doubt conservative Republicans and appoint them, and then they, you know, go in and have to win their next election, but at least they'll run that election as an incumbent, as a, a principled conservative. Yassi or something, Jasser, I think. And if the governor of Arizona had appointed him when whoever it was died or retired or whatever, Nazi, Jasser, whatever, the dude's a Muslim. And I'm telling you, is conservative as I am. I mean, there, his his life demonstrates. And McConnell, each both times, and I think it was different governors, but both times the governor of Arizona had the ability to pick the senator, the senator, until the next election cycle. Mitch McConnell got the appointee he wanted both times. Just like in Georgia, uh, whatever that chick's name, Loeffler, Laffler, Kelly Laffler, that ran against Warnock, McConnell got to Brian Kemp and Kemp appointed her when there was way more qualified conservative candidates. And that was an attempt for Kemp to compromise because of the Stacey Abrams election. That was Kemp's way of saying, you know, I'll, I'll give back a little bit, so to speak. And I'm sure I've mentioned that before. So we've got one candidate in Arizona that is receiving money from Mitch McConnell. We have that same candidate that has now gotten the endorsement of former President Donald J. Trump. So my rationale is, if the candidate's getting money from McConnell, automatically a rhino. Automatically. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no, um, yeah, but what if, or yeah, but, but nothing. McConnell has a proven track record. At least, I can, at least, right, I just did, 20 minutes ago, the last 12 years, going back to when Rubio ran. And the people he's, I, I told you in December or January, 
even though Herschel Walker is not necessarily a, a principled conservative, he's got name recognition. And I've told you the stories of how they uh, ran ads and, and started putting millions of dollars against him, you know, January or February. And it was Mitch McConnell's um, lapdog, hitman. But he's, he's on McConnell's, I don't know if he's on the, uh, the Senate staff. He may be on the, uh, the staff that where that fund is uh, determined or managed. But I know he's on one of McConnell's staffs, employed, etc. So that was the reason why I wanted to see. I want to see his, you know, Trump. You know, is, is, is he like just back in the hot chick? Well, there's not that big of a difference. You know, the brunette, the rhino, that I know, I, I there's no doubt in my mind, mark my word, that the chick, just like in Alabama, will now have another one in Arizona, if the woman's elected. Because the last two people that, that McConnell put for those appointments, when they ran in the, the next general in Arizona, the Democrat won both seats. Now, one of them was the female... I don't, I don't think she was... She may have eventually ended up at NASA as an astronaut, but I think she was like one of the first female pilots, maybe, um, maybe to see combat. I know she had some type of first military, you know, patriotic, you know, I mean, the first chick to do whatever with an airplane. That's got, you know, that's, that's pretty damn good. But again, we're talking Arizona. And in a normal cycle, and it's been this way for 20 years, if you're not, you, you had two choices. You were either conservative all the way, or you were either John McCain, because John McCain got a pass for pretty much. It's either that or, or the constituency was just dumb and only paid attention to his last six months or year in office and just overlooked all the bullshit he did. And again, that's that's the only two ways as a Republican you get elected for Senate in, in Arizona. Because it's a mixed bag of nuts out there. But they, for the most part, live conservatively, even the ones who are Democrats. But if they're going to get a milk toast, you know, um, half-ass rhino that they can't trust, those people as traditional across the country, those are the types that stay home. And have helped contribute to where we're at. Even though they may say, oh, I've, you know, go to the church every time the doors open, uh, staunch conservative, blah, 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 Second Amendment, blah, 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 effing blah. If you've 
stayed home purposely during elections because you didn't like the candidate, you're as guilty. You are you you have a lot to, to, to be blamed for. Let me just put it that that way. Because you have contributed to the demise of this country. But I know, I know again in Arizona. If the Democrats are putting their money, uh, you know, campaign against this woman, even if I didn't know about Trump, even if I didn't know about McConnell, and the, the Democrats are throwing millions and millions of dollars against this Republican candidate, I'm going to say, wow, what's, what's this about? Okay, I'm a, I, I know history. I know politics. They... They bark, they scream, they act, they accuse, point fingers, denigrate, scream, holler, lie to about the candidates they're afraid of, that they're afraid they'll lose to, they can't beat, because they can't beat them when it comes to principles. So if the friggin' Democrats, at this point in the Republican primary, if they're running ads, against Dobson or Robeson, I think it's Robeson, then if I were a citizen of Arizona, she'd be getting my vote. Just because that would tell me everything I needed to know. Now, obviously, as a citizen, I would know more about the two candidates. But if you factor in that the Democrats are donating and then McConnell has donated to the other chick then that right there okay that's reinforcement that just you know doubles down that i made the right decision and then you factor in trump's endorsement of the effing rhino and guess what did i did i mention the reason yet because i'm I, I got less than you know i got like four minutes left if i haven't mentioned the reason Take a wag. Dutch, you got a wag? Wild ass guess? No? Because the other chick, wow, what's her name? Lake? Let's just say the pretty one. They're both pretty, but whatever. The rhino. Let's just call a spade a spade. The rhino one, I mentioned very early on, has been all aboard, full steam ahead, Trumpism, Trump train, MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. The other girl is a MAGA supporter, loves Donald Trump, had, did all kind of campaign stuff for Trump. I mean, time, money, phone calls, you name it, for Trump. But guess what? There's one candidate that's not focused in, in using the 2020 election in their campaign. The candidate that's not doing that is the one that's not getting Trump's endorsement. And so that all but seals the deal of why Trump backed the rhino in Alabama. Uh, Mo Brooks changed, altered his strategy, wanted to look forward, not in the past, not to mention he was down in the polls. Trump said he's changed his strategy. I'm changing my endorsement. That's pretty close to a, a quote. We moved across the country to Arizona. 
we've got all the evidence you need to determine who the conservative is and who is, if nothing else, if we can't say she's a rhino, less than conservative. Because Mitch McConnell does not support conservative candidates. He never has. He And, and I've told you tonight, trust me, don't believe me, get the Google. Get your daggum telephone and look it up. This man does not support conservatives. He doesn't give his money. Now, people like Rubio, Cruz Lee, that are now in the Senate, that's not to say that now that they're established senators that he wouldn't donate out of that uh, taxpayer fund. I'm talking about new, on-the-scene, up-and-coming races, people aspiring to be senators. Mitch McConnell does not donate to conservative Senate candidates. I know, don't, and again, don't take my word, look it up. But Trump has done it again. He has supported a rhino in another key race and between the two of them they could now Alabama the girl's going to win the rhino's going to win no question Arizona is now a toss up is now in question it's 50-50 in the Senate our guys need to hold the ones up for re-election and obviously gain at least one And our guy, our guy is supporting another effing rhino. It disappoints me and it pisses me off. And again, it just reiterates, as I've learned through study in history, that I'm not going to say populism, but... Uh, let's see what's accurate cult of personality in other words you follow the man let's just say the man the myth the legend and not his ideals anyway gotta go thanks for listening playing along